ladies and gentlemen thank you for tuning in to another episode i'm your host steven g gaxiola and you are listening to the raider and the saint podcast East Coaster. Oh. Until I moved here. So How old are yeah, you? In my 50s. Oh, okay. You look good, though. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Ian Fisher, people. Well, Hi. welcome back, folks. Once again, uh, thank you for tuning in to the Raider St. Podcast. This is episode 172. Oh, my bad. 173. 173. Yeah, 173. Uh, today's date is September 9th. The year is 2023. Uh, if you guys want to be a guest on the show, you got any recommendations, or you have questions or comments, you could get a hold of me at the Raider and a Saint at Outlook.com. That is the Raider and a Saint at Outlook.com. My guest today, as I mentioned earlier, is Ian Fisher. Fisher's award-winning work has been featured in over 100 film festivals. He is known for his feature documentary, Rude Dude, The Steve Rude Story. He is here. He has come from all the way from L.A., the Brea Tar Pits. Uh, Ian Fisher, welcome to the show, brother. Thank you for having me, man. Yeah, man. Well, tell us the audience a little bit about yourself. Uh, okay. All right. Well, I grew up outside Washington, D.C. Uh, and uh, never really fit in because I was into comic books and art. Um, and uh, went to school in Boston, so still on the East Coast. And then once I graduated from college, I went to film school in New York at Columbia and uh, spent... 22 years of my life in New York as an independent filmmaker. Uh, I worked around the independent film industry when that existed, which is it's now gone because of the streamers, but I worked at Miramax in October Films, uh, worked on sets, uh, and then started making my own stuff and uh, producing, directing, editing. And then I taught filmmaking for a decade mm -hmm. in New York, so it was all concentrated on short films, uh, writing the short film, pre-producing the short film to be able to direct it and make it, and then mm. and then the whole post-production process of editing and, and, and finalizing it. And, uh, you know, it was a really gratifying period of my life. Mm. Um, and then I had always wanted to come to California back then, uh, which is around 2016, uh, which is pre-COVID, I'm sure everyone knows, you had to be either in New York or L.A. Those, it was, uh, those were the two kind of shining stars, at least the thinking was at the time. Mm -hmm. And if you weren't in one of those places, it was much more difficult to try to get a career. Now, this really wasn't true. There's a lot of local stuff in, in, in Texas, everywhere. Mm -hmm. 
But those were known as the two kind of twin capitals of uh, entertainment at the time. Mm. And then once COVID came and people started doing remote work, even and, and now we're hybrid and people are trying to get back, the, the company's trying to get back to bringing everybody back in the office. But I think that really opened up the door uh, to being able to live where you want and not being stuck because of your passion mm. and what you do with where you have to live. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I moved out here like you know every other filmmaker does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I had waited a little too long. I was a little too old. I was a little too uh, knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. And I was unwilling to start again at the bottom, mm-hmm. which would be PAing on sets. Um, you know, I, I'd done that. I did that in the 90s. What's PAing? Uh, it's a production assistant. Probably They're the lifeblood of, of, of a film set mm-hmm. uh, and, and help get things going. They, they will, you know, help uh, control the, the walking traffic mm-hmm. uh, in front of the camera. Uh, they, 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 they're the lifeblood. Mm-hmm. But it's really, you know, it, it's, it's entry level. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I had to figure out where I was going to fit in. And then COVID happened. And mm-hmm. that decimated the independent film industry, uh, which there was a lot less of here than there was in New York. New York mm. was, you know, the bread and bones of that place was mm. independent film. We're independent filmmakers. It's like, uh, it's a badge of honor mm. because you know you're going to get effed over mm-hmm. and you still do it. Mm-hmm. And and it's about comparing your war wounds with fellow filmmakers as to how badly you got screwed. I'm sure in L.A. it's it's on a different level. But I think when it's independent and there's less money, you take it more personally, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, especially if it's yours or you know the person who's fronting it mm-hmm. uh, versus if it's a big studio and it's more nameless and then that money. Um, but then when COVID hit and, and people had to stop shooting uh, for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, well, before we move yeah. forward, I, I got to mm-hmm. ask you, what made you get into uh, directing and filmmaking? Well, it's interesting. Uh when I was younger, I wanted to be a psychiatrist like my father, mm. and I found I had no aptitude for science. Um, and, and <laughs> I try to become one too. And yeah, I, I got to take calculus to be a psychologist. Right, it was organic <laughs> chemistry for me, and I just I, I couldn't make heads or tails at the time. I was also <laughs> in college more interested in drinking and women, mm-hmm. but uh, so I don't think my mindset was there. But then I, oh, had, I think it was. <laughs> yeah. Well, my, I had no idea what to do. I just yeah. knew I loved movies. I, I kind of yeah. learned that from my father. I, I was exposed to grossly inappropriate movies at a young age. I think I was <laughs> six when I saw Animal House in the movie theater, my first okay. rated R movie with nudity. And that was, you know, that kind of set me on my path. Mm-hmm. And, and while I always loved movies, it, it like when I first saw Star Wars, that I didn't understand. I, I knew theoretically it was a movie, but it really impacted me so deeply at mm. that age. I thought I was it was a window to another world. Yeah. You know, it didn't I couldn't see the seams in it. Mm-hmm. It just felt like that was actually happening somewhere. Mm. And that was super exciting. It was like a comic book with, you know, semi superheroes, you know, uh, doing their thing mm-hmm. live action. Mm-hmm. And that struck me to my core, but I didn't think I could do anything with it. But then when Sam Raimi's Evil Dead 2 came out, mm-hmm. I saw that. And have you seen that movie? Um, no. Evil Dead 2, I believe, is one of the greatest horror movies of all time. But the, I'll take a look at it. it, it it's, if you're going to see one, that's the one. And uh, Hold on, let me write that down. 
Yeah, it's Evil Dead too. You know, uh, my first movie mm-hmm. my dad took me to was Total Recall. I was the first. Love movie. it. Uh, yeah. What did you think of the three breasts? Yeah. Yeah. You're saying like, yeah, I was like, first time I ever seen something like that. You know, I don't it, know. How it's I'm, it's shocking. Yeah, and it is. It's also there's something exciting about it because you feel as a child you're finally seeing adult stuff mm-hmm. that you know mm-hmm. you're hidden from. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and and for me back in the '70s when when I saw Animal House, I mean the only way to see nudity was to steal your parents playboy mm-hmm. right i mean it, it mm-hmm. wasn't like today where it's everywhere and, mm-hmm. and it's easy mm-hmm. uh but evil dead 2 was a movie that that i saw the seams and i realized someone could make a movie and so i started making little films uh in college and i was like one of the first people to actually have a video camera mm-hmm. you know before we all have video cameras on, on our cell phones and i was filming back then mm-hmm. But I didn't know what to do, you know, because to become a filmmaker means, you know, usually to be broke. And, and in college, I didn't want to do that. Uh, and it was actually my mom who said, why don't you go to film school? Because I was just lost. I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And, and so when I went to film school, uh, you know, it, th- there's a huge difference between th- at the time. This is. You went to Columbia, right? I went to Columbia. Mm-hmm. Um, so at the time, there were five top film schools. Uh, on, on the East Coast, it was Columbia and NYU. Mm-hmm. And on the West Coast, it was USC, UCLA, and mm-hmm. AFI, the American Film Institute, where mm-hmm. people like David Lynch went to. Um, and so they, the East Coast and West Coast primarily have two different ways of looking at film. Mm-hmm. The West Coast is more a feeder into the industry so you can make money. And mm-hmm. this industry, Hollywood itself, is just about jazzing stuff up to sell it i mean it's vapor they're selling illusion you ever watch that hbo show entourage i saw a few episodes Mm -hmm. yeah uh, it was everything i disliked about filmmaking (laughs) yeah yeah that that celebrity and yeah kind of douchey bro mentality Mm -hmm. that uh you know i I would see that kind of mentality in new york with the financial people Mm. you know this kind of uh king of the castle and Mm. and where like in entourage, it's more about fame that they're trading, uh, and celebrity. You know, in, in New York, it's all about money and mm-hmm. and looking. To, the people I ran into, and this was, you know, obviously a smaller population. Then I'm not trying to generalize everybody with a big brushstroke. Yeah. But what I found, it, it was a lot of douchey people who whose only uh, confidence came from how much money they had in the bank, and that made them uns- insufferable for me mm-hmm. because they had nothing else to offer mm-hmm. in terms of a conversation mm-hmm. and i can't talk stock talk you know Who, who's the guy that got that that's in jail now the big uh harvey weinstein yeah harvey weinstein yeah i mean at the time now i worked at miramax which is his company but i worked in one of the other buildings mm-hmm. uh everybody knew about the casting couch i mean there were jokes about it for since the 40s yeah Jeez. and and nobody really thought more of it because it was so kind of exotic and it felt like it was an exchange of at the time i'm saying um i guess the idea was that two people brought something to the table and it wasn't money that crossed but uh sex uh this was the thinking at the time and so everybody walked away happy now nobody really knew about the abuse Nobody knew about the, the terrorizing women, the, mm-hmm. the raping women. I think Harvey Weinstein, like, uh, went down on one of his victims while she was on her period. I mean, like, really, Ooh. like, bizarre stuff that's more like uh, like a dog pissing on something. You know, mm-hmm. it's more like it's it's not 
the sex just it becomes more about domination, mm-hmm. and it, which is kind of gross. Mm-hmm. Um, you think that would be a good horror flick if they've totally? Done it? You know, they've made a couple Me Too horror flicks that haven't worked out, but yeah. they really should. Um, <laughs> but uh, I was, and I worked at the company, and you know, I heard stories about what an a hole he was. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know about any of this until I started reading it. Now, what was interesting <laughs> is in New York, everybody was saying, oh, we always heard about this. Everybody mm-hmm. knew about it except for me. I guess mm-hmm. I was really naive who worked at the company. I mean, mm-hmm. the company had awful people in it. And I, mm-hmm. I started getting gray hair working there. And it just was not a good fit for me. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think one of the greater things to happen in the last couple of years is Black Lives Matters and Me Too in terms of uh, democracy. Mm. And in terms of that, I mean, in terms of understanding where uh, the suffering of other people that as uh, a male, I, I take for granted, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 it's, oh, it, I, I, it's interesting. It's like Donald Trump, you know, always accusing people or knowing, you know, where people mm-hmm. are going to do something dirty. Well, the people who know that stuff are the, are the people like mm-hmm. Donald Trump who've done it. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that documentary by Candace Owens about BLM? No. How is it? It's pretty good. It's pretty yeah. interesting. Now, as I understand from my reading, I think the movement was a fantastic thing. Yeah. Uh, but the people behind it scammed everybody. Yeah. They, they, you know, that the, the the official Black Lives Matter people. I mean, that the the woman who was running it bought a bunch of real estate yeah, with that money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, people have asked Beverly for Hills, that money I think, back. Too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just a total scam factory mm-hmm. and. Personally, I, you know, uh, people who get into an important movement or let's say a presidency just to scam money off mm-hmm. of people, I think are personally despicable. Oh, man, it's going around a lot. There's a new documentary. It's on these, uh, it's on HBO. It's called uh, Calling, Uncalling or something like that. Uh-huh. They're telemarketers. Yeah, they, I saw the telemarketer one on HBO. What, what is it called? Is it called telemarketer? Yeah, I think I think it might be. Yeah, yeah, I think it's called telemarketers. It was like a three or four part yeah, series. Yeah, it was good. It was good, huh? Yeah. Damn, dude. And I liked how the guy was like, I knew something was wrong, so I picked up a camera, and I just started filming. And then his one buddy who was addicted to uh, heroin, dude, he started he started getting into it and he started interviewing. It's just it's just tremendous to see these guys just all oh, like me starting a podcast and yeah. just them going over the years and even like they went 10 years by and they still picked up where they left off yeah i mean it it, those things don't happen by accident Mm -hmm. those things become reality Mm -hmm. because someone in your case you want to do a podcast you manifested it Mm -hmm. for those guys they documented it Mm -hmm. and and think of how many people document stuff and don't have the wherewithal to make a movie to sell Mm -hmm. i mean that's like the biggest success story i think they sold Mm -hmm. it to hbo Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. uh and you get the word out yeah and and yeah absolutely yeah and 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 so the filmmaker who made that maybe they have another movie in them or maybe that was the one movie because that's what they did and Mm -hmm. and uh, a personal passion project where he amassed a lot of footage that maybe he didn't know what to do with became a movie i mean it it's like Imagine you picking up your iPhone and you're just shooting random stuff that's going on. Mm-hmm. But to make a movie out of that, most mm-hmm. people just, you know, first off, it's a huge step just to pull your phone out just to start, mm-hmm. you know, if we're doing it now, just to record. Mm-hmm. But then to take all those materials and create, you know, and to cook with it and to create a magnificent dish for, for audiences to watch, I think it really takes a lot. And, mm-hmm. and the thing, 
I guess the closest way I can explain filmmaking is probably like having a podcast. If you don't push it, if you don't book people, no one's going to give you shit, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like you're the one who has to keep it going. You don't have someone over your shoulder pushing Mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. And you could walk away at any time if it gets to be too much. Mm -hmm. But you have a passion for it. Mm -hmm. And and when it can be too much, you know, it's it's the survivors Mm -hmm. that succeed. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. doing creative work of any kind is tough, especially with so many judgmental people. Uh, it's not just judgmental people, but there's so many people. Here, here uh, comes that podcaster. Right. But but what I've noticed, because uh, I've been doing this daily video artwork over yeah, the last, I've been uh, uh, over the last uh, I started in 2021, uh, people get angry. It it. Like for me, at least my experience has been people get triggered by some of this stuff because they're pissed off. They're not doing something. Yeah. And and it it's not my work. It's just that I'm doing it. Yeah. And they try to tear you down and they will. I, I get random. It's almost like a drive by shooting where where I'll get a random message from somebody calling me an asshole. And I hate mm-hmm. this and I hate that. I'm like, then don't look at it. Yeah. Change the channel. You know, what do you want? Or quit. Yeah. You suck. And mm-hmm. I'm being told this by, like, a teenager. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it. Mm-hmm. when I was much younger in my 20s, I hate to say it, but I was that fragile that that might have turned me off yeah. in my early 20s. Uh, but, you know, you 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 you, you can't give up. Uh, uh, an example, I'll tell you, is... Uh, when I was graduating film school, I, you had to make a thesis film. You, had, you know, a short film that was yours, yeah. and, like, that was going to be your calling card, right? That's how they sold it. And this was pre-internet. So the only thing you could do with a short film was maybe get it on public access or mm-hmm. uh, if, if you paid the extra money to get a, a physical film print, which cost money and nobody was doing that. People were viewing off of, like, Betamax or mm-hmm. Beta SP. Um, you could play, like, German TV, you know, German film festivals. There was nothing to do, like, at the end of the 90s with a mm-hmm. short film. It very, It's totally different now with the Internet and with mm-hmm. the amount of film festivals there are. But uh, after making my thesis film, I had uh, the time and a little extra money and the desire, and I made one more short film. Mm-hmm. I uh, There was a horror writer I really liked. His name's F. Paul Wilson. And uh, he had written a book that became the movie The Keep, which mm-hmm. some horror people know about. It's not that highly received, and he's certainly unhappy with it. But I ended up making this short film and returning the equipment the day I graduated. And 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 so so it, it, it took like a year or so to finish it. I had to figure out, like, how do you finish a movie? And, uh, and what do you do with it? And uh, I got to tell you, this movie turned off so many people. People stopped taking my calls. The first film festival screening... You know, the, the biggest part of the article that talks about is all the people who walked out during my movie. Mm-hmm. This is the log line. Now, it's a, a fashion satire. And to put it in perspective, it, I shot it the same year that uh, the first Sex and the City came out. Mm-hmm. It's a while ago. Uh, but it's a bored pro-life housewife who falls in love with the latest fashion trend that hit Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Fetal skin purses. Made out of fetal skin. And so it's about touching on fashion that way. And I basically adapted the short story mm-hmm. word for word at the time. I mean, I was in my, when I make that, I was uh, getting to my late 20s. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyways, I thought this would 
open doors. It shut so many people got so offended by it. Nobody got the humor of it. And and it ended up uh, eventually getting to the hands of uh, Lloyd Kaufman, who is the head of Troma. If you haven't heard of Troma Entertainment, they were one of the last independent studios that, that were famous for a, lot, uh, a bunch of movies, but Toxic Avenger was their thing. Okay. Do you remember the Toxic Avenger? I think I've seen it. It was like an 80s movie? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that was their really big thing. And he fell in love with it, and he started distributing it and all that. And I thought, all right, finally something's happened with it. At the time, the only thing to do was put it on a DVD collection, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I thought that kind of made it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it didn't. It just kind of disappeared. And and so what I did was I, I recut it. Uh, I, I cut out, like, literally two minutes. Mm-hmm. And maybe added one or two effects and started resubmitting it. So this would be like seven years later after mm-hmm. it first come out. And it started doing gangbusters and playing at all these festivals and college crowds couldn't stop laughing at it. And, and, and like one of my greatest uh, memories was taking my parents to uh, the Fantasia Film Festival in Montreal. Uh, it's the biggest genre f- festival on you know, this hemisphere. And uh, getting to watch my little crappy short film that I made with an audience of 600 people. And that, that to me, was the biggest audience I'd had at the time. And being able to share that with my dad, who recently passed, mm-hmm. made me feel like finally he's, he's seen some success. And this mm-hmm. is more than most people get with their parents. And mm-hmm. so I feel really good about it. Uh, so I made that short film. And it started blowing up on the film festival circuit and, and, and winning um, awards, which was shocking to me because... Remember, I had said it, it just shut door. It, it, people just didn't even want to return my calls after that. They were so disgusted. Mm-hmm. I, I guess people were more serious back then. Uh, and so that's static. I make another short film that Roger Ebert really liked, and that was a lot of fun. And uh, that started playing to festivals. What was it called? Magritte Moment. And okay, it's more like a just... surreal David Lynch thing. I was trying to find that. I couldn't find it anywhere. It, it's on my website. Okay. Um, or on Vimeo or, or maybe even YouTube. Uh, or I could send you a link. Uh, anyways, uh, I thought this was my big visual masterpiece. Like for me as a filmmaker at the time, mm-hmm. shooting 35 millimeter was my dream to shoot. Can film. you tell me the difference? Because I've Absolutely. heard different. Yeah, different. Absolutely. So, all right, let, let's go through this. So, when I was a kid growing up and they had these little handheld cameras, that yeah. was eight millimeter film. So that was like how thick it was. Mm-hmm. Usually they didn't have sound, but you'll see this little Super 8, you know, I, I mean, now you'll see them in movies where it's kind of j- jittery, it's mm. a square, it's a little blurry. Yeah. So what they did, uh, especially they would do this like in, in, in World War Two and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Uh, they, uh, I believe it was World War Two. It, it, it is the one where they're turning it. Right, that's the Bolex, but but so they made it a little thicker to 16 millimeter. So the thicker the film in terms of width, the more information it come on, the better it looks. Mm. So 16 millimeter, and this is before people were doing anything with video cameras. I mean, if you wanted to shoot, you had to shoot it on film. Mm-hmm. There was there was a huge, and that costs a lot of money because you're you're buying film stock. You got to get developed. You got to get it transferred. I mean, it's it, it's just the money hole mm-hmm. when dealing with a physical medium. Uh, and so, like, film students at the time in the 80s, 90s, they only shot in 16 millimeter. Uh, it was a square. Uh, you could tell it looks a little rougher. A lot of, like, uh, drive-in movies were shot on 16 millimeter, and they look rougher and a little muddier. Mm-hmm. And it's an aesthetic. Um, but the movies, 
you and I grew up on were shot on 35 millimeter. That was like uh, before we were digital and people would walk around with a still camera and take, mm-hmm. you know, like a Nikon or something. That was 35 millimeter. Mm-hmm. 30, so you, you could see how thick. You remember how thick those were? Mm-hmm. So Wide or thick? I'm, uh, th- well, I guess we call it wide. Sure. Okay. But so you, you just call see- it thick. Okay. Yeah. Either way, just it's just in terms of the distance between my two fingers. Uh, okay, uh, okay. 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 Um, now, let me just say, Christopher Nolan shoots on an even bigger format, which is IMAX, which yeah. is like seventy millimeter. That's twice the size, and that's why you can watch on a huge screen to see all the details mm. pop. Because again, the larger the film negative, uh, the more information can go in. But anyways, for me, making a movie was 35 millimeter. That's what people do. Of course, mm-hmm. that costs so much more. Um, but my point is, so so I had a terrible shoot with it. It took me two years to edit it to get it ready to go, mm-hmm. which is more than anyone should spend on a short film. I rewrote the script. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I totally changed it around, and I couldn't believe anybody wanted to watch it. And mm-hmm. it, But anyway, so while I'm working on my great moment, my older movie, Feet, like from uh, seven years before is like blowing up on, on the film festival circuit. And I got really frustrated. I'm like, but this new one is so much better. Mm-hmm. And my mom put it in perspective. She says, who cares which film you're getting attention for? You're getting attention. So for a couple of years, I had both those films playing on film festivals, different ones and winning. And then I, I also shot some music videos. And so then those are playing in festivals. And, and at the time, so this is, you know, the aughts late aughts, uh, so like 2007, 8, 9, 10, all that, uh, film festivals were a viable path to get your work seen, to be considered serious, and, and all that. Mm-hmm. But what I found, which was interesting, is that on the film festival circuit, there is a huge divide by how the short filmmakers are treated and the feature. Mm-hmm. The feature filmmakers were, were treated like royalty. They were invited to all the black tie events, and 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 people took them really seriously. Mm-hmm. And the short film people, you know, were the afterthought. Mm-hmm. And and I didn't like feeling like a second class citizen. Although at the time, so this is before YouTube totally blew up. This is before social media uh, really blew up. This is before. Uh, uh, short term it's before TikTok. I mean, it really popularized watching short content. Uh, so I think it's a little different. But I realized I wanted to make a feature, because I I had made as many shorts as I felt I could. They hadn't gotten me where I wanted to go. Which for every filmmaker in the world, it would be starting at Sundance. I mean, that that's like the dream. Yeah. I think they only accept like point three percent of of the submissions point one or you know like very it's what it, are they whole sundance at sundance was started by robert redford and it's in park city utah okay yeah and yeah. and for a while it was i guess to use educational terms it was considered like the harvard or you know the 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 the, the greatest of the great mm-hmm. film festivals and 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 when i learned filmmaking which was uh the mid to late 90s you know a job path started arising. If you look at filmmakers like Kevin Smith, mm-hmm. who did Clerks, mm-hmm. Paul Thomas one Anderson. Of my good, I love that. Yeah, movie. it's a great one, right? Yeah. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, who eventually did Boogie Nights, but he did a movie mm-hmm. called Heart Eight. Quentin Tarantino uh, with Reservoir Dogs. Uh, Robert Rodriguez with El Mariachi. These guys mm-hmm. had their movie play at this festival, and they had a whole career. What about Eight Millimeter? Who directed that one? That was Joel Schumacher. It was written by the guy Andrew Kevin Walker, who wrote Seven, mm-hmm. but that was a huge studio movie. Yeah, 
it's a fun one. The script's even better. Mm-hmm. Um, but but, anyways, my my, my point is, um, so I made this documentary that you had mentioned earlier on my favorite comic book artist, and because uh, I'd grown up being a huge fan, so uh, I talked him into it. It was a tough eight year process, mm-hmm. uh, but eventually made my first documentary and and when i first started making it so over when i started like maybe 2008 i started Mm -hmm. at the time the thinking was uh if you make a documentary you can get on netflix you know and that's Mm -hmm. that's the gold star and because my movie took me so long and the industry changed and and i wasn't anxious enough to finish my film sooner because i still thought there would be avenues netflix stopped accepting that stuff they started making their own Mm. They did Making the Murderer or Making a Murderer. You remember that uh, little mini series mm. that they made? And and so everything was into their own stuff. So all of a sudden there's a huge deficit. In, well, who, where can I sell this? Mm. And so I eventually, you know, it ended up streaming is, is what the new world was. Yeah, I think Amazon Prime has it. Amazon true. Prime at the time anybody could upload it to Amazon Prime. Uh, you know, they Plex, uh, oh, really? Hulu. I mean, they have they have all these different ones and then all these ones you never even heard of. And, and you know, the point is I didn't see a dime from any of them. Really? Yeah, there's no money in it at all. Uh, which was really heartbreaking because making that, that feature-length documentary, you know, a really tough time i my this artist is a, a bipolar uh uh angry person i was editing it so i was staring at this footage for years mm-hmm. and when you do that it eventually affects your mood but i finally finished it and mm-hmm. and and of course at the time i was so hungry while i was making that one documentary i started making a second one mm-hmm. and and what happened was so I'm making this documentary on my favorite comic book hero, uh, uh, artist. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and I was a huge comic book fan. So I'm like, man, I'm going to use this as an excuse to meet every single person I ever wanted to meet in that field. Mm-hmm. But people really didn't want to talk about him. He's, he was considered such a pain in the ass. It closed a lot of doors. And I still wanted to talk to him. Mm-hmm. So I decided I'll just make another project. Mm-hmm. And... It was. It's called Superhero Nation. I, I haven't finished it yet for for multiple reasons. But I ended up interviewing all the greats: Stan Lee, mm. Frank Miller, Grant Morrison, uh, 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 the people who made the movies, people who sell this stuff, the distributors, eh, all the experts, uh, the, the the people who have PhDs in superheroes. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like mm-hmm. you know, who only speak at conferences, and and, and I've attended them, and uh, I really honed my skills there with that but once i well two things happened one one of my guests uh who i interviewed i had sent him my whole pitch thing with all the people i had interviewed and he was a document he is he was a documentarian i think he he stopped uh but he was a big name and it took me a couple years to land him i interviewed him and it was great and then cut to about two years later, and the mother effer uh, has his name on his version of, of what my pitch was about superheroes that he sold to History Channel. So that was heartbreaking. Wow. And, 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 and so having my heart broken like that and, and thinking, why is this guy, like, taking my idea? He's mm-hmm. done much better stuff, right? Uh, 
And then seeing that my documentary made no money and getting into fights with my distributor because they were screwing me over and all this stuff, I just realized the documentary world is just not, unless you breathe it, it's not worth doing to make no money, uh, you know, or, or even less to lose money because mm-hmm. you're putting money into it. It's just not worth it. So, so I stopped making it and, and I'm sitting on it and I think maybe eventually I'll circle back to, to, uh, include these people since, since I made this, I mean, I have footage of Stan Lee when he was alive that no one's ever seen. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I have, I, I interviewed the guy who created the Joker you know, he passed. Uh, so many of these elderly uh, people, you know, I, I'm holding on to this. And I think until I figure out a way to circle back, maybe the rise of superheroes in, 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 in the uh, 2010s mm-hmm. or something like that, um, you know, I, I can get back to it. But my premise was, uh, the pop- what does the popularity of superheroes in America say about Americans? You know, what is it? Because we created this mm-hmm. art mm-hmm. form. Why are these characters finally so popular? When I was a kid, well, I was not even a kid. I was a young teenager. I had to hide reading comic books because people would beat you up. Like, oh, yeah, you're a nerd. Yeah, nerd. And this is when everyone hated nerds. This is before mm-hmm. the nerds, like, created Fortnite and, you know, created Facebook and, mm-hmm. and all the tech mm-hmm. stuff and the computer stuff. So mm-hmm. we were just, we were kind of despised. Um, and, uh, uh, well, I, I guess my point is that while there are a lot of really positive things that, that superheroes and our love of superheroes mm-hmm. has, there's also a lot of dark shit. And I really saw the, the, the rise of, of a person like Trump in it. And that terrified mm-hmm. me because if you think of Trump, he, he's, an icon and, and, and by that i mean he looks very if you look at him he, he's very striking with the orange and the hair and the this and the that and and he's a character but but he's there's a there's one of him just like there's one of superman right you know and 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 kind of this you know mentality that certain people have i think as fans that come save us mm-hmm. and they're not willing to do the work they're waiting to be saved and that's why they're so passionate about him to save them uh i guess their way of life in america is their thinking uh which is terrifying because that's essentially a, a very white america that he represents what's that have you seen that show i think it's on amazon prime they're in the public eye they're superheroes but behind the scenes they're the evil. boys yeah the boys Best TV show. Oh man! They have a new one coming out called. A new season. Uh, well, they have a new scene, but they have a spinoff coming out. Oh, There's really? also an animated spinoff they did. Yeah, I seen that, that one. was good. Yeah, that comic book was one. It was even better. Really, I didn't know it came from a comic book. Yeah. So what's neat about that is is there's another TV show called Preacher that came out. I don't know if you ever saw that. Yeah, Preacher. Preacher. So the same writer did it, Garth Ennis. Uh, he's an Irish comic book writer. And he wrote those two as comic books, and then now he's getting success. On Preacher's TV. the one he travels; he's by himself, and he in. I've seen the show. Preacher, right? uh, it's a show, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a show. I've uh, seen that. So it's Jesse Custer is like. Uh, yeah, Jesse Custer, and he's uh, a preacher, and he he develops. Uh, let's see the, 
the child of an angel and a demon yeah. breaks out of its cage and possesses yeah. him, and now he has the word of God, which forces people to do yeah. what he says. And he's got a vampire and his girlfriend yeah, and looking yeah, yeah. for God to hold him accountable. Whatever happened to that show? I think it went off. I mean, it was a great show. Yeah. I only watched the first season. Yeah, I think I did too. And then, you know, what happens occasionally is too much time goes on in between seasons if mm. you start at the beginning and you move on to other stuff and yeah. you kind of and then sometimes it takes so long for the TV show to come out you kind of forget what you liked in the first place mm-hmm. and there's a and that's actually all of this is really the reason why uh, I have noticed the film industry is dead yeah is that with a lack of scarce, scarcity it's no longer important they, they call it content now and if you can't catch this show, there are a hundred others that are going to be just as good from other countries. There is such a gluttony of of extra stuff. Everything's now like a huge all-you-can-eat buffet. Mm-hmm. And and so with that, with this switch to content, movies are just no longer special. If I I was a person who who like opening weekend would see the latest Batman movie when mm-hmm. I was younger. Now I could just wait. Two months and you know i got plenty of stuff to watch or i can mm-hmm. watch the old batman movies until the new one comes out on on uh, you know mm-hmm. uh streaming mm-hmm. and so with with that part of culture uh and i i think primarily streaming uh that's why we have this huge strike now and and that's yeah why that's what i was gonna get at what do you think about that we got what sag and then the D- writers WG, guild yeah writers guild uh i think well, I'll tell you this. This is my experience. Uh, back in, what, 2007, I think, is when they had their last strike. I was going to move out here from New York, and I, I had hooked up with a uh, screenwriting teaching gig. So I was excited. I had a girlfriend at the time who was moving out here. And as soon as the strike hit, all the screenwriting jobs evaporated because all the, the screenwriters ended up taking them. And, and it was over much shorter than this one. Uh, I personally think... If they can hold on, they'll get everything they need. Mm. I think what is essential, if there's going to be a film industry left, is that they kind of burn it down as to where it is, where it is now. Start from scratch and, and, and you know, stop the business model that, that Netflix has kind of popularized. Uh, Netflix being the biggest player here, everyone mm. else kind of follows it, but they sell to the middle because they want the, the largest appeal. It's like McDonald's, mm-hmm. right? I, I personally can't think of one movie I was excited to see that Netflix put out. I, I don't even bother with yeah, like it's Red the Notice. Same people like yeah, Kevin it, Hart or uh, uh, what's a, something, Reynolds. Yeah, 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 they have Barack. deals with him or Gal Gadot or whatever. I'm tired of seeing the same actors in the same movie. It's just, exactly. It's the same format and it's a different title. and It's, yeah. it's background noise. Yeah. And, and that's not... It doesn't intrigue me anymore. It doesn't intrigue me. I think a lot of people are just getting numb to it. Also, well, I think it's essential that th- there are stories that should only be told in 90 minutes or, an, or two hours. I mean, mm. there are stories, and that's a lost art now mm. with streaming uh, TV shows and binging. Mm-hmm. Now, I remember binging on Laserdisc you know, before mm-hmm. DVDs. And mm-hmm. so the binge is not new to me, but... The binge, to me, is is an audience mm-hmm. putting an IV of digital heroin in mm-hmm. and just sitting out and just zoning out and watching it. And then when it's—and and maybe you're going to stay up all night to finish it. But when mm-hmm. it's done, 
it's like a vacuum. You don't remember much. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, it, it, it really is a drug. You enjoy it for that moment, and then it's disposable. Mm-hmm. You don't go to bed thinking about it. and You don't like, wake up. You, you're not going to change your life around mm-hmm. some of the choices that characters have made. It's just a big nothing burger. I heard the AI, that what they're trying to do is AI bots are start because AI is starting to, uh, come to come into play as far as creating scripts and yep. and i can understand uh i heard that's where hollywood's yeah. heading yeah well that, that's just one writer and, and then the rest ai bots are just going to write scripts yeah and and that'll be the death of this because and that's one of the reasons for strikes sag doesn't want to be scanned and used forever the the actors mm. you know uh for free yeah in that's crazy and in huh? like in like uh extra scenes mm-hmm. they're already starting to scam people um Writers don't want don't want to lose their agency and their creativity to, you know, essentially a, a robot that regurgitates mm-hmm. uh, human creativity and and gives it. In following algorithms, which is what Netflix does, and they make in their data, and that's why they make their decisions. Mm-hmm. The I personally believe the movies are just going to get worse. Yeah, and and like they were living in a live. Uh, uh, Real life, uh, Black Mirror, absolutely, or Twilight Zone. Like the, uh, um, you know the movie that's coming up, AI. There you go. That's gonna head to that future because you know they left that out of the box. Yeah. Well, it, unfortunately, it's already out of the box, and 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 so, the way I see it, it, it's kind of like having a cell phone now. Everybody has a video camera, mm-hmm. or or a photo camera, but let's just say camera that for, that does both of it. Everybody thinks they're a photographer. Mm-hmm. What happened to the guys who studied it and made their life out of it uh, before cell phones? Uh, are, what do we call them? If everybody's, if every, it's like in a, in a Hollywood movie, when everybody's good looking, no one's good looking because there's no ver- there's no contrast. You need mm-hmm. like an ugly person so you can <laughs> see how good looking someone is, or you fill the movie with ugly people and the one character who's supposed to be gorgeous looks like a Hollywood person. Yeah, you know, but without contrast, when everyone it's like Beverly, uh, Beverly Hills 90210. Everybody looks rich like and white. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's really hard to, to see the a discrepancy, and you can you can fall into that fantasy. But anyway, so my, my point is, um, so I'm here, COVID hits, and it's like, fuck. Mm-hmm. First off, you know, I'm reading about what that did to independent film, and that added like 10 to 15% of your budget just mm-hmm. for... Uh, uh, COVID protocol, protocol. and it was before uh, they had, you know, the, the vaccine and all that. Mm-hmm. And and I realized once you c- lose that intimacy of working together, it, 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 you can't make a film by yourself. Mm-hmm. You, you ha- it is, it's like a team sport. Mm-hmm. It has to be that way because uh, it's just there's so many different components to it. You just can't do everything uh, well. Uh, and then when, when, when I saw that uh, so so I, I saw what that that decimated if you could even get insurance to shoot it it, it decimated independent film and I'm talking like the under uh, three million under five million mm-hmm. or under a million or half a million gone and then what really struck me that that told me that that filmmaking had reached a different level was when uh, Robert Pattinson on the set of Batman caught COVID. Now, this is your leading star. Uh, this guy should have the top protocols that Hollywood has to offer. And mm. I, I, I am 
assuming they had pretty good protocols, even if they were still figuring out what those protocols were. These are the top of the top. These aren't kids making Batman. This is done at the highest level. Mm -hmm. This is like, you know, this is coming out of like the BMW factory. You know, mm -hmm. it's not someone in their uh, garage trying to create their own BMW. You know, this was a great, and everyone's getting sick. And, and, and so I realized that the, now, the lack of freedom in, in intimacy and in, in able to come up with art, which is filmmaking, uh, at least from, from my view of it, uh, all of a sudden became very regimented and very clinical and, and even at the highest levels. And what people did to get around it was they would go to New Zealand you know, where people didn't have COVID or something. Mm -hmm. They would shoot movies there. But for a lot of independent film, they, they did a new Children of the Corn over there. Mm. But uh, that's not a sustainable thing. Now, as we get back into, and we're still waiting on this new variant, right? But as we're hopefully winding back, and this won't be a yearly event that, that decimates our population, mm -hmm. I, I hope it, it doesn't, and, and that we have to go back to lockdowns and have our lives disrupted, mm -hmm. uh, the stress and the, fear and, and the anxiety uh as we're rounding this if the discrepancy between the streamers because i'm going to talk you know they talk about the amptp or whatever mm -hmm. uh that who is who sag and 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 the wga are, are uh striking against but really what that consists of are the streamers which is netflix uh amazon and uh apple mm -hmm. and then they're the movie studios like disney uh universal you know warner like brothers yeah warner brothers sony right yeah. and they both have two very different uh, agendas but they're tied together amazon prime you know they make stuff to to to, to pimp out the prime service and get you to get free shipping i mean for them they're they're not about the money that the movie makes they're about getting people into the amazon prime ecosystem so they buy stuff apple's the same way uh, 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 uh all of these are they have different agendas um i mean netflix is more maybe the only other kind of semi-traditional because they want people to come to see their movies mm -hmm. uh but my point is right now in the strike they're kind of pushing for maybe uh the traditional studios to separate mm -hmm. Because the streamers are the ones who came in. They were like, you know, the, the fox entering into the hen house. Mm -hmm. They had a lot of money. They came in. They disrupted the industry where they took away transparency. Filmmakers used to know either Nielsen ratings uh, on TV or box office, like how well their movie did. That's like a whole important part. Uh, like, was it a success or not? And they had their metric to be able to base it on the streamers decided not to release that information. They're not releasing their data, which mm -hmm. is a big uh, strike point, and people, I think, should have the data. Uh, but without that data, it, a lot of filmmakers just felt like their films went into a black hole. They never heard from it again. They never saw another dime from it. It kind of came and died when it went onto the platforms. Mm -hmm. and, and, and Well, especially during COVID, too. Yeah. Well, who was it that was suing? Uh, one of one of the company Johansson yeah suing Disney yeah Black because, Widow because yeah. it didn't hit theaters and then in her contract clause um, she wasn't gonna get anything from you know the, once it went to right, digital right and 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 so 
Now, I personally believe Day and Date is the future of where we're going to get. Day and Date is the movie hits the theater and hits your home at the mm. same day. And that's kind of what they were trying to do there. Although I don't think Black Widow actually made it into the theater. It yeah, might have for a split second, but not yeah. barely. I think people want their fix, be it the movie, whatever, right away move on to the next one. They don't want to wait anymore. It's a different world. I mean, I remember after Star Wars, like in finding out Empire Strikes Back comes, it's like, can I just sleep a couple years until that movie comes out? Mm. I mean, there was agony as a young kid waiting for that stuff. Mm-hmm. And now we just we have too much of it. And it, mm-hmm. I think when you give a human being too much of what they want and not what they need, you know, it loses its its importance. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and it's good for us personally, I believe. It's good for us to have patience, to mm-hmm. wait, to enjoy things yeah. and not just, you know, be like pigs eating at, at you know, the multiple, you know, mm-hmm. feeding thing. Mm-hmm. But so anyway, so COVID hits and i'm like fuck you know what do i do now you know i you know i i what were you were you working at a studio at the time no no i I was uh you know i was freelancing around and doing some editing i mean it it, i came out here with fewer contacts than i thought and and you see this is I'll, i'll give you an example so in new york let's say 2013 10 years ago you could edit and get paid decent rate i get paid 500 bucks a day that to me was pretty good um and then i move out here three years later and all of a sudden there's a huge fundamental shift and i guess this is about ai this is about you know everything else but now my competition were the people who grown up with this software on their you know computers Mm -hmm. and and they they think about it natively in a way that you know they, they didn't have video editing equipment uh, when I was a young kid. I didn't grow up, come out of the womb Mm -hmm. and get stuck in front of and learn Final Cut. I mean, I had to teach myself all that as an adult. But so I found that the jobs were paying so little, like a hundred bucks a day, or that if I could even get one, because all these kids right out of college or even on their internships were doing the editing that used to be an important skill. It's like how AI is going to uh, do it for you. Do it for you, and 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 obviously employers want to pay less than more. So then I was like, oh shit, what do I do now? Because I was like, I was depending on like I thought that was a sellable skill, and mm-hmm. I, I did a little of it here, but uh, it, it, within three years, essentially those opportunities I saw were evaporating or uh, were being offered at so little money that it would have fucked with my self-esteem and my ego to to take something like that yeah so so covid's hitting now i was lucky i was i was dating a girl at the time uh out in fullerton and uh you know so so covid for me wasn't as scary in the beginning Mm. you know it's harder when you're alone we broke up like uh, 2020 so then i spent a lot of time by myself and i Mm. you know it was just me and my dog but what i started doing i noticed uh there's an artist named beeple He's an uh, NFT artist back when, when NFTs were blowing yeah. up, non-fungible tokens. And he sold something for like $30, $60 million. And that just blew open the doors to digital art. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a, a filmmaker I was friends with, I noticed on Instagram, he's like, I'm going to make art every day this year. This is January. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you're a 
bold motherfucker announcing that. I mean, what every day? <laughs> You're not planning day. for like the unknown to come. I mean, that's that is that is a gauntlet to fucking throw down. And and he was doing stills, and I was really impressed that this guy had made a broad declaration, like almost like taking off your glove, like in you know like. England and slapping someone yeah. on the face and then saying let's duel. I mean, once you say something like that, you know, people are going to notice if if you say if you just get busy with other things. So he was doing it with stills, and I was like, man, I, I I can't do that with stills. I wish I could do video. And then a light turned on and said, why not? And so I started making daily art videos with like uh, stock art, movie scenes. Mm-hmm. And it just developed. So, Why don't you plug in your Instagram so people could check it out? It is uh, Fishtick, F-I-S-C-H-T-I-C, or Ian Fisher, I-N-F-I-S-C-H-E-R. That's uh, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. You can find me. Uh, and so if you remember that I got really kind of disillusioned with this huge gulf between feature filmmakers and short filmmakers, and I had taught short filmmaking, but, you know, that's not as sexy as teaching features, mm-hmm. right? You know, and everyone looked down upon it, like a second-class citizen. Mm-hmm. And I decided, fuck it, I'm going to double down and just do shorts. And I could do this by myself. Mm-hmm. I I find stock footage on YouTube, you know, and the mm-hmm. songs on YouTube. I put it together. And, and, and instead of making, like, minute, two-minute-long things, I'm going to make 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. And it's in, out, and it's a short, it's, it's a full piece, and you're done, and you can watch it. And if, first off, it's much easier to get people to check out your work if it's 15 seconds and 90 minutes like my yeah. future. It's a much smaller ask. Um, and, 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 and so I, I should step back. Around right after 9-11, and I was in New York, uh, 2001, I, I got a computer. And I noticed that the guys who were doing After Effects were making a lot more money. Like At that time, like 30 bucks an hour was big money. And... Um, and I worked uh, for this huge, like, uh, streaming, vo- you know, point one, part of Web Point One, this huge entertainment company in New York called Urban Box Office. And we had people like, uh, uh, who was I working with? Rev Run and, like, Snoop Dogg, people like that. It was a big urban thing, and like, like 350 people. It was enormous. And, and, and we would hire After Effects people to come in. And I was like, I want to learn how to do that because I want to make, you know, that at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I taught myself. Well, I took a class, but then I, I, because it was 9-11, there was no work. There was nothing. That was a dry spout. And, and so I started teaching myself how to do certain things and gave myself little projects. And so uh, this little hobby I had created of these short little graphical pieces I never planned on doing anything with it's just they were in order for me to learn how to do how to do things mm-hmm. uh, once social media opened up and the internet so remember 2001 the internet people were still mm-hmm. on dial-up modems mm-hmm. you know now we're all broadband but at the time video couldn't play I mean when I would shoot an interview with someone it had to be really static mm-hmm. and it was only like you know, 10 frames per second, so people really mm-hmm. glitch. They, we just didn't have the infrastructure at the time. Uh, and, and so I married that to do the art that I do every day, and I've done it every day, and I'm, I'm getting close to a 1,000 of these things. And at the time, I just was making stuff. I didn't even know what the overall theme I didn't know. And then I realized really what interests me is pop culture. 
and, and like like people like Andy Warhol and stuff really uh, were people I looked up to. And, and, and what popular culture is, it's the stuff we're all talking about. It's mm-hmm. usually movies, music. Celebrities are a major part of at least the American, especially in California. We're all talking. I mean, you know, the, the, I just read an article today. Why are we fascinated by celebrity divorces? Right. You know, mm-hmm. it's like and then. Strangely enough, politics have come into it now mm-hmm. uh, with Trump, yeah. who kind of brought entertainment because he was coming from the entertainment field, mm-hmm. made it more. So so I touch on to politics. Sometimes I'll just put a movie scene in and play it backwards to a song and, and give you another appreciation for it. Sometimes I'll uh, juju my art and uh, a scene and uh, make the characters black and white and... and, and uh, Add a way to reappreciate the scene and to be able to study it differently, which is uh, called transformative use. Uh, you know, some of the stuff, some of the songs I'll use oftentimes popular songs, but it's transformative use, it, it, which is something I learned about documentaries. So this is what transformative use is. So like as a documentarian, I can put, uh, let's say, go back to like, I'm making my superhero documentary. I could put Superman in it. I don't have to get anyone's permission for Superman. Uh, I could put Batman in. I, I could put all these, if I'm talking about superheroes, to make a documentary only on Superman, selling it on Superman's brand only without permission is where you get in trouble. Mm-hmm. But if I'm making a commentary about superheroes in general, it's much easier to get in mm-hmm. and do that. So that's what I've been doing. And, and, and honestly... Uh, when you make a movie, it's always a heartbreak. And, and, and when you collaborate, let's say 30 people, you give it up a little bit each time to make sure the other pe- person feels like they're included. You know, it's just, it's not always what's in your head. Mm. Whereas working on myself and I'm not making movies, this is video arts. Now I can work by myself. Now the only person I have to please is me. Now, as I was saying earlier, the problem is if I don't do it, no one's going to do it. Right. And, mm-hmm. and and what's weird about what I'm doing is I don't see anyone else doing what I'm doing. And so I have to kind of instead of like looking around to figure out how to describe it, I have to dictate and tell people. And that's a weird position to be in because before it was movies. Everyone knew what a movie was. Everyone has their opinion. Now you're doing something brand new as, as a short form of entertainment, which I think the future is going to be mm-hmm. kind of doubling down on everything that embarrassed me. Uh it's just it's a totally different experience when this is when i really knew the film films movies were a 20th century art form and not a 21st century art form is that people spend on average 90 minutes on tiktok that's a movie mm-hmm. when people can watch free shit for 90 minutes versus something that costs 200 million dollars for 90 minutes i mean you know these people are filming themselves for nothing right mm-hmm. for likes maybe maybe if they do well enough they, they can get sponsorship or, or, or brand or something it's a totally different world there with that and 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 so with, with movies no longer being uh what i see as the future unfortunately because mm-hmm. i dedicate my life to it uh i knew someone who described it this way and this is what the major shift is america at least America, you know, it could be all around the world, but because I'm an American, I can only speak a little bit more about that. 
we're no longer a monoculture. And by that I mean, you know, there was a time when you would see movies. Everybody, Everybody saw spoke, that movie. Yeah. Everybody talked about it. Everyone recreated mm-hmm. the lines. You know, Saturday Night Live finally had to do that spoof on it. And, like, everybody knew that pop culture reference mm-hmm. point. But now there's so many different forms and avenues of, of different types of entertainment because uh, everything's been democratized. You know, if it's like with streaming. If you only want to see uh, British entertainment, you can get BritBox mm-hmm. and just stick there. You never have to have Netflix. What would you call it if we're not the United States isn't mono? What would you call what we are today then? Wow, I, I think we're kind of all in our... We're, I mean, we're more tribal in our own little units in like, you know, uh, uh, like I'll give you an example. Like when I was growing up, like, you know, I was multiple things and some things I had to hide, like loving comic books. Mm-hmm. Right. You, you just nobody thought that was cool. And, and this is even before I was dating. So I wasn't even thinking about looking cool in front of girls. I was more worried about getting punched by somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and what happened with the comic book people? so I can speak directly to this, is like once the internet hit, all of a sudden people didn't have to fit in with everyone else and hide that part. Mm -hmm. They could reach out to fellow people like them. Mm -hmm. And so fan culture grew, okay? And then they could all go to Mm Comic-Con and be amongst each other. And even with Hollywood coming, it still was, you know, this is the one weekend a year I'm going to let my freak flag fly. I mean, I would go to these conventions. My son's gone a few times. He's 14. It's amazing. And they have them all over the world. I've gone all over the world. They have a great one in Georgia called Dragon Con where people spend Mm -hmm. thousands of dollars on their costume. I mean, (laughs) this is like their freak flag. Mm -hmm. And and God bless them for it. If it wasn't for the Internet, we wouldn't have that. But that's a very unique kind of siloed thing. Mm -hmm. And then they're the sports people. Now, that was a more... uh, I, I was not really into sports, but that was considered a more uh, acceptable, mm-hmm. like, fan culture. But, and, and so everybody had to be, you know, I mean, at the time, everyone knew who won the Super Bowl back then. Now mm-hmm. I, I, I don't even pay attention. And so it, 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 because it's not one culture coming down and dripping through us, now you could just find your people, and, and you never have to interact mm-hmm. with the other people, be it uh, – you know, what is it, uh, drill, tr- uh, well, I'm going to get it wrong, but, you know, there are certain way, there are certain types of rap that people only specifically listen to. Mm-hmm. You don't have to listen to rock and roll. You don't have to listen to other types of rap if you only specifically want one. And so we're getting really focused on our niches here. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so because of that, and I think that's a good thing, but because of that, movies are no longer, in my mind, as important. They don't move the needle in culture the way they used to. Now, I'll give you a very specific example. Do you remember that movie, Philadelphia? Yeah, with uh, Tom Hanks. Right. And, and this came out, it was a tough time for AIDS, and it's really tough to see, like, you know, a guy who, who people who grew up watching Bosom Buddies, who was likable, mm-hmm. suffering. You know, that, that was tough. But this is what this movie did in the height of uh, homophobia. <laughs> Bless you. Excuse me. Uh, they tell this movie that, not only, you know, the character, the, the audience has to get over, like, their prejudice, which mm-hmm. everyone had a prejudice at the time because when AIDS came out, we didn't know how it spread. You know, this is like when it first came out. You know, everyone was, like, scared to death because all of a sudden sex, our most primal thing, was now dangerous in a way mm-hmm. it hadn't been. Uh, but anyways, this movie, not only did it get the audience to care for a character, 
they didn't make it easy. He had those big, like, uh, you know, scabs on it. I mean, it wasn't a pr- the prettiest version. Mm-hmm. But not only did, did that create empathy with the audience, but the audience then looked in the mirror and realized how unreasonable their homophobia and AIDS phobia was. And they left with their opinions changed. And after a movie like that is when I think people became a little more understanding uh, and empathic to people who were suffering from from a very scary disease at the time. So my, my point of that is that kind of changed the needle in American uh, thought process and culture. Mm. You know, there are movies like that. There, there was... I'll give you another example. I don't, do you remember uh, it was originally a, a radio show? Orson Welles did uh, War of the Worlds yeah. on the radio. And so it was before TV. Uh, so I think it was like late 30s, maybe early 40s, something like that. Mm-hmm. And people thought it was actually, he did on the radio, and people thought it was, it was actually, actually happening. happening yeah. That And he was reading H.G. <laughs> Wells' War of the Worlds, and, and, and he was so good at what he did. Mm-hmm. Farmers actually killed themselves. They were so scared. I mean, that is one piece of entertainment. It was meant to be entertainment. That fundamentally changed the fabric in someone's life because, mm-hmm. you know, their family member died. I mean, this is what I'm talking about, monoculture. Everyone knew it. And now, you know, uh, I mean, the closest we could get maybe, you know, uh, Squid Game, right? Maybe, like, a lot of people saw that and talked about it, but mm-hmm. not everybody. I mean, a lot of people have never met. You know, there are very few of those that, like, they used to call it water cooler talk yeah yeah you know like twin peaks was total water cooler talk i don't think it, well maybe they don't even have water coolers i haven't worked in an office in a long time yeah, they but do. you know uh i don't think people get together and talk about that stuff because you know everybody's on tiktok everyone's on tiktok <laughs> and you know and everyone's got their own thing like on tiktok i don't know what you have but like you know, sometimes i'll have like lock picking videos <laughs> you know just bizarre stuff like that i've noticed that that I since I've been off work, yeah. I'm back at work now. But the eight months I was off, I really didn't watch TV. I was on my phone looking at YouTube videos. Right then, it went from YouTube videos to shorts, and it's more shorts now. Like yeah, locking videos. I like watching camping guys in there taking their trucks out of nowhere and yeah. just camping, uh, cooking shows. But it's like quick shorts, and I so it went from watching movies. To uh, my attention spans, that uh, a ten-minute YouTube video to now shorts. Yeah, ten minutes YouTube. is too long now, right? Yeah, and, and, and is that a good thing or a bad thing? Because like, I imagine think... being in school, like my son's in, in, in high school, right? And he's he's the same way. He's just swiping on Instagram, looking at shorts, short clips. How does that affect people's attention span when you're in school? I've I've been actually talking about this with people. It it actually terrifies me. Mm-hmm. Um, now, now there are a couple of things. Uh, first off, because of, of what we're using, the, the bright colors and everything, the, all of this is designed to activate in your brain, you know, the, uh, you know, whatever the pleasure centers are. So they've got us hooked. It's the same with video games. I, mm. I think um, with everything available to dial up on command, i.e. any information, anything Wikipedia, you know, it used to be if I didn't know something, I had to go to the library, right? That was a pain in the ass, right? Mm-hmm. I, I, and I was one of the first computer people, but you still you went to the library. Mom, how do I spell this, I would say, as a young kid? Look it up in the dictionary, right? We had to, pre-social media, let's say. Yeah. You had to remember shit. 
you couldn't look everything up, and I think that was important for our long-term memory. I think now that we no longer have, we have just like too many movies, too many TV shows, we've got too much. It's like a fire hose being sprayed of information. Um, What I think this has done is it's reducing our short-term memory. Uh, Actually, no, it's reducing our long-term memory. Our short-term memory is becoming uh, a little bit larger and we're doing a lot more mindless stuff that does not land into it. You know, sometimes I'm on TikTok. I'm like, what the hell did I even waste my time on? I, I don't even know. Mm-hmm. Right. It was so unmemorable. Mm-hmm. But so if you don't have to remember like the 50 states and their capitals, you know, and, and because you can look it up now. I mean, what does that do to someone's brain and, and thinking process? And as we continue, I mean, are we talking next hundred years that that people won't be able to read more than a sentence mm-hmm. because they can't process it? Personally, I, I, I think, unfortunately, it's it's contributing mm-hmm. to this kind of dumbing down in like culture. Idiocracy, the movie. You've seen that one? Of course. <laughs> and that is, that's, that, that's the best satire ever because it's yeah. very close and we can all yeah. see where it's headed, mm-hmm. that it's headed to that. And, and, and the way, like, like how, uh, you know, like Albert Einstein was a part of pop culture. College students would have his poster up mm. where he's sticking his tongue out and like that was considered cool it's not cool to be smart now i always thought that was edited i don't know i, I didn't maybe it was but you know it it, it, it could have been i i don't know enough about that no i don't know if picture. it is i i to me right. i thought it was maybe it, it's a but, funny one yeah but just the fact that you would take a smart person and, and give them that valuable space on your dorm room wall it meant something back then mm-hmm. I don't know if people know who Albert Einstein are now or even care because, again, science is not cool or sexy. Now, to me, it's the backbone of the universe, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, if we that's how we determine facts. According to Trump supporters, science, uh, you know, is uh, not real. Well, yeah, exactly. Some of them. And re- but religion Which, is. So, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's about taking everything on faith and not believing anything in front of your own yeah. eyes take and this shot that? don't don't do this do that oh no it's i'm gonna take uh horse the warmer right you know right. people are gonna go or no, bleach inject purple. yourself with bleach yeah yeah i know people that i delivered to that worked for a veterinarian it wasn't the hospital the, the but it was stuff. a warehouse where yeah. they did research and all mm-hmm. that and the receiver told me that uh, the chemistry guys inside the inside the building that were make the vaccines for the dogs different stuff we're telling them to drink bleach, uh, but it's not the bleach you get from under a seat. It's a different type of bleach, I guess. But yeah, I was being told did, that too. Well, did people die from it? I mean, what what, what happened? I, uh, I can't imagine any kind of bleach being something good to know. introduce. And like, I wouldn't do it personally. Um, but yeah, no, no one, no one trust wants science. No one wants science. to trust science. Everybody, and I, and I've said this before to other people. What what I believe happened because I was in education, yeah. uh, teaching film is that because our quality of education has lost its priority and it's really much lower now, Mm -hmm. you know, like some of these schools don't even want to give kids grades, right? Mm Because it might hurt their feelings, right? Mm -hmm. Either just a pass fail or everyone passes. Yeah, it's like playing kids playing sports. Nobody nobody loses. Everybody wins. Exactly. Now, if you're having open-heart surgery, do you want the guy who passed or the guy who got the A+. (laughs) I want the A+, personally. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't want to know if, if he could have been an F student. 
Yeah, I, I, I still use that. Going as, back as to idiocracy. Yeah, dude. You know, you're fucked up, but you know, <laughs> you know, just pay the dollars. And, yeah, you know. Exactly. I, I remember the scene. <laughs> well, it's like so, so smart and intelligence and like, like really like, like hammering stuff in younger, even through college age, um, because that lost importance. We are generally uh, now, I believe, less prepared to have the critical skills to sift through all the misinformation and information on the Internet. Mm -hmm. And so people go down dark wormholes because they don't know it's BS because they just don't have the critical. They don't know how to. You know, it's like if you're panning for gold and you do the sand and you've mm -hmm. got the little pan, mm -hmm. you know, they don't have the pan. You know, they, they don't mm -hmm. know. They just read something and believe it, which. Mm -hmm. I mean, first off, think about that level of person who believes everything they believe, mm -hmm. down to UFOs, down to QAnon, down, down to every conspiracy theory, because I think human beings are primed to think about systems and how they navigate in the world. And then if you don't get your own way, well, it's because someone else mm -hmm. it, 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 who Well, I started it. this podcast on conspiracies. Yeah. Awesome. My neighbor, my neighbor, who he lives in Texas now, uh -huh. um, he... We got into conspiracies when I moved in here in 2010. And so I, I was listening to the podcast. I started listening to Joe Rogan. He's like one of the first pioneers of podcasting. Yep. And when I was a driver, I got tired of listening to music. Yeah. And I went, what is this podcast thing on my Apple phone? And I stumbled across him, and I go, oh, it's the Fear Factor guy. You know, uh, and the commentator and the for UFC, UFC guy. Yeah. But I didn't know he was a comedian. Yeah. And I was like, oh, he's a comedian too? But he would talk, have guys out, and he started off conspiracies, and I just went down this hole. So I've had some, a bunch of people on about conspiracies. So that's amazing. Yeah, I, I, I believe there might be some validity to mm -hmm. some of the. I don't yeah. believe every conspiracy theory. Mm -hmm. I mean, we are watching uh, with Trump and the false electors. That was a conspiracy he was trying to do right in front of us. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, there, there are things. Do I believe everything is a conspiracy? No. All those guys went to jail, man. The head of the Proud Boys. What, he got 20 years? 22 years. Yep. Man. And, and he wasn't even there, right? No, I think he, he was, was planning at, it. No, I that think, en en Enrique Terrio, is, is that his name? Uh, I, think, I think Enrique something. Right, man. right, right. I think he actually was out of the was state, there? I he was but there. he had planned it. I think that's the wild oh. thing about it, but because of the planning. Yeah, these people, well, again, I... The way I look at it is that a lot of like what used to be a power base, which was white America mm -hmm. at a time in this country, are realizing they no longer are the majority. Mm -hmm. They no longer are the power base and, and, and that they got to share with people. Maybe they look down upon in the racist 70s, 80s and 90s, mm -hmm. uh, people of, of other ethnicities who come from other freaking countries like this country was founded on immigrants and now yes. like you know now they're they're like the scary word because they're overrunning everything but uh they're so scared about that and 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 not all of them but a lot of them are very religious and and, and they believe the way to live the life is to follow the words of jesus and and they're going to pose that on you mm -hmm. they're going to save you whether you follow it or not some people i'm not saying all i'm just saying that there is a subsection of people and I find a lot of them, they see their best shot at retaining, um, I guess, in their heads, uh, a peck the higher pecking order mm -hmm. is to elect someone who's essentially a, a white radical, which is Donald Trump. 
Yeah, I was raised a Christian. I was raised conservative. So what do so you think of pa- that? My parents, like, they they love Trump. You there know, you go. They, they, and they some they people do. Trump's my best and, friend from college loves Trump. Uh, you know, I have, I have my opinions, especially doing the show. I've met a lot of people where I've able to have my own opinions now. I think he's just as bad as any anyone else. They're all awful. Yeah. It's like a bad movie. Absolutely. Or like a bad show. And people get into tribalism or, or, or into, like, sports team. Well, my guy might be bad, but what about your guy? Yeah. How about they're all bad? Yeah. How yeah. about if Hunter Biden, you know, did shaky stuff or, or is sketchy stuff? He should go to jail. How mm-hmm. about Joe Biden, if he did sketchy stuff, mm-hmm. should go to jail? They all should go to jail. How about Trump should go to jail? I think anyone – now, I have you know, a radical opinion, and, again, I, I'm not trying to – paint everybody with the same paintbrush i will <laughs> but but I, I think people who go into politics are hollywood ugly they mm-hmm. want to be celebrities in their own way and, and yeah. i guess the power is very intoxicating mm-hmm. um but they're not the, you know maybe some start because they're idealistic and you know they mm-hmm. want to change things but the way our our political system works you can't really change things that yeah. quickly it, it's all stamina mm-hmm. and i mean you know, Joe Biden, how many years? 50 years? Yeah. I mean, there was clips of him back in what, the 80s? Yeah, saying with the brown the hair. Yeah. Saying the N word. And, and it's funny how we, for, we forget. I mean, I I wasn't, you know, really into politics. In right. the me 70s, either. Before, 80, yeah, it was, it me was either. young. Yeah. But if you go back and you can look at those old YouTube clips, he's saying the N word. He, he had what? Uh, the, the Ku Klux Klan backing him up. And really? All this, all this stuff. But yet, we. Now we forget about it. Well, or, that, or do you think people forget about it, or they just don't want to listen to it, or do both? Even, both. That's crazy. But, but what I I think what that brings up, which is a larger jeopardy, is that we judge people from the past by our current standard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I think we could all agree racism, you know, is bad, mm-hmm. and and you shouldn't do it. But in the seventies, it was a different world, is a different thing. Yeah. It was coming off of Remember, you know, right before that was the 60s, the civil unrest. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. People, you know, African-Americans did not have equal rights back mm-hmm. then. They had to march and fight for it. And even when they got it, mm-hmm. it's still they were treated gar- like garbage. Mm-hmm. So people were a lot less empathic and understanding of different cultures back then. Mm-hmm. And like personally, my my. Uh, guilty pleasure is to watch a really inappropriate movie from the 70s or 80s to see when you know women were not in some of these movies treated particularly well were not afforded their own agency uh different ethnicities were treated more like parodies Mm -hmm. in fact they'd have white people playing you know i mean even in the 60s you know they they would have white people playing asians and all that uh there wasn't a sensitivity i i think the reason is is that because we didn't have the internet and we didn't get to know people from different cultures and different things. And so we didn't have a prejudgment that, that uh, society kind of created, mm-hmm. which, you know, would be either racism, sexism, uh, uh, whatever it was. And we just got to know people. And then we saw they weren't so different. And I think the Internet, the best part it did was bring us all a little bit more together. Yeah. And, and, and that's what led to, you know, like Black Lives Matter. It, it led to all that. And I think it's also what is leading to the strike now. Yeah. You know, for the first time, the writers are winning, and and SAG, but really I'm going to talk about the writers. They're winning the public perception more because social media is out now. Before, you know, they were just, 
you know, with I think the common thinking was uh, in like 2007 or eight. When, when I think it was seven, uh, when they had their last strike was, oh, these entitled Hollywood, you know, writers, man, suck it up, right? You mm. know, wah wah wah. And now we're realizing, you know, that maybe some of these people make 30 grand a year. I mean, mm. you know, uh, in fact, I have seen writers, believe it or not, say they'd rather drive for UPS. I, uh, yeah, I, I think they just jacked up what, what you guys make or something, which is amazing, finally. Uh, but I think you make more than a lot of the people writing our favorite stuff. Mm. And that it, versus... So, so that's kind of thing where you can't make any money doing that. Yeah, and, and that's it's a why, passion. Yeah, it's a, it's a passion, and, and people use passion as a pressure point to, mm. to fuck you over. Uh, <laughs> but then you have, like, the heads of Disney and all that, you know, getting $50 million bonuses. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, like and they're saying, you know, like Bob Iger, who is universally beloved at Disney as a, a, a studio head, before he opened his mouth and said, you know, the writers are just being unreasonable. They don't realize it's a bad time for the industry. Meanwhile, he's saying that probably from his yacht. Yeah. While, while people... Getting a blowjob. Right. <laughs> and, meanwhile, you know, the writers are like, you know, they have to move in with their parents. And, and, yeah. And, and it's not a good look, whatever industry, when, when the people who have the money, who, who are in an argument or, or a, a conflict, uh, in a nonviolent conflict, with the people who... who create the way they make their money you know there, there's a real you know there, there's there's also and this is interesting i think the reason why people maybe it's changed but that people kind of have never respected writers in this industry it's because everyone can type and it's the same thing with everyone having an iphone mm-hmm. versus a professional you think you could do it and then you're like, well, then that person's not so special because I, I write every day. Now, there's a difference between writing a compelling story versus typing your email. Mm-hmm. But people have it all together. They just don't think there's something special about acting we can see, mm-hmm. right? I mean, and, and, and there's that fantasy, like, who wouldn't want to be in an exotic location like James Bond is with a beautiful woman mm-hmm. or man, or whatever people want, you know? There's, there's a lot of that fantasy part that draws us in, which is why... James Bond superheroes and all that are still doing well. Uh, but, but when the haves are, are, are kind of shitting on the have-nots, and mm. this has just been traditional, it's time for the have-nots to rise up and get some more. And this is a unique inflection point in the industry because you got two major strikes happening. Mm. Everybody thought it'd be done by now. The studios thought it'd be done. The studio heads have been saying, look... We're going to wait until these people have to sell their houses. And literally, you, you know Ron Perlman, the big guy, he played Hellboy. He was also a yeah. Sun's He got on, did an Instagram and said, you know, like, how about I come to your house? Mm-hmm. You know, people are losing their houses. How could you do that? So there's always a disparity between the people picking up the scraps, trying to feed themselves, and the people with so much money, they live in, like, a different world. Mm-hmm. And the thing is that, in culture, in our culture specifically, the one thing—I mean, there are many different metrics that people can look at to, to want to respect someone. But the universal one, I guess, back to a monoculture, the mm-hmm. mono thing is rich. It's not how smart you are. It's not how talented you are. It's how rich you are. That is the thing. Why is someone like Elon Musk 
consider like a real life superhero. They think of him as like some people, you know, considered him to be like the real life Tony Stark, Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, this guy is all hot air. This guy, you know, most people think he started Tesla. No, he bought Tesla bought after Tesla, it was started yeah. by other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was impressed. You know, first off, I think Tesla's an awful car. My, my parents are driving I've one. heard about, yeah, I heard they fall apart. This one just started driving without them and went nuts. And, like, they got into an accident. <laughs> what? Yeah, like, sometimes it gets a mind of its own and just it starts. Just, they're in the car? They're in the car. Oh, okay. And, like, it just starts, wow. like, backing up and accelerating. But they're not doing anything. They're just trying to keep it, like, from moving. So, so anyway, so to watch him systematically in real time destroy Twitter. When I was not a big Twitter person, but mm. to watch such a public person who, who has this air of, like, infallibility. Because he's rich and he's smart and, you know, he's opinionated. Uh, and to watch him really, to me, destroy his his legacy through... Uh, it's called X now? X, yes. But all of to see all the goofy changes he added that made no sense and just have made everything worse... Mm-hmm really kind of it's almost like peeking under the hood of a car and, and like seeing like how it's held together with scotch tape <laughs> yeah i have twitter i i i go on it every, every day but i've seen the changes have you posted He's, no i'll do repost but i haven't really posted i guess you can start doing videos on it now well and get paid from it but yeah. I don't know how that's going to work. But I know what Tucker Carlson's on it now. Yeah. yeah. He's he's promote he's push, pushing his videos on that. Yeah, so. he just had a guy on who uh talked about having <laughs> sex with uh, Barack Obama, yeah, right? Doing cocaine, Co- doing cocaine or crack or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that guy's like a fraudster, so leave it to Tucker Carlson to bring up the most uh, uh unqualified people to to talk oh, about. Oh, that's this. what it is cuz then that guy will go on and I've noticed the big podcasters. Yeah. They'll get one guy on who's who's got the most views or who's really popular right now yeah and then that guy will make his rounds yeah it's like it's the talk show a, circuit yeah yeah I've, I've noticed that and so uh, you know tucker carlson's on uh was on this, this podcast called uh the nauk boys uh-huh and so they just they just it's just a it's big pile of shit you know that's just people that have no they think they have influence, but it's it's nothing but hot air coming out of their mouth. So much hot air, like you Alex know, Jones. Just, and it, it's and but the hot air is poisonous. Yeah, it's not even just bloviating to bloviate and to talk. This is to hurt people mm-hmm. with a systematic. It, they, mm-hmm. they, these people use their words and their 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 the text and what's beneath that. Mm-hmm. You all know what I'm saying. Oh, mm-hmm. I'm just asking questions. No, not really, because I'm telling you. Uh, it's like using a knife. Yeah, I just don't like it as as far as uh, also when they post, you know, selling merch. And these guys got these. I'm not going to say in, in, uh, specific names or, or companies, but they talk American made, and they got Trump on the show, and Tucker Carlson. They got all the everything, and they're selling merch, and they're making millions of dollars. And I I deliver their stuff to the warehouse where it gets shipped out. You know yeah. where everything comes from. China, of course. Well, what I find interesting, exactly on your point here, is is how Trump raised millions by selling T-shirts with his mugshot on it. Mm-hmm. Now, I gotta say that's a ballsy move to do. Most people, well, mm-hmm. at least me, I would be ashamed that that was out there. But okay, there's something to learn about taking a challenging thing and, mm-hmm. and trying to flip it. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing: he committed copyright 
he broke copyright. He doesn't own the copyright of the headshot. The people who own that are the police department. Because you're in a picture doesn't mean it's yours. Mm. It's the person who took it. So he just opened himself up to a huge multi-million dollar lawsuit that will take all that money away if uh, the DA decides to charge him with it. You know, th- now, there is this thing, and it's a Silicon Valley way of thinking, and I think Trump does it. You know, don't ask permission, apologize after. Mm. And there, while there is something to admire about that mind frame... You're also getting a lot of trouble and a break in the road. You know, it's that whole thing, fuck around and find out. Well, yeah. I have fucked around so much in my life and found out, I don't want to find out anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I'm the type of person, I want the permission before. I, I If mm-hmm. it looks like, I, if I can see where I could get sued, I'm not doing it. It's not worth it. Yeah, especially as a filmmaker, yeah. you're, you're making your videos on, on Instagram. Same thing here, with, yeah. if, I, if I play a song yeah. that's copyrighted you know like i could get i could get in trouble for some sometimes i'll feel froggy and i'll you know i'll dabble here and there but right yeah i've i was posting my videos on youtube and if there's any background music or anything yeah you're screwed that's why i don't post on youtube because they have such a a sensitive filter for that but also like so you were talking about exit and i was talking about elon musk well the new terms of contract are that they can own anything like any video i put i stopped posting on twitter first my engage that's not the platform for videos uh-huh. like my, what i do art is it's really for news and, and, and hot hot takes yeah and and usually it seems most successful when it's text-based and, and it's you know because people who go there are used to reading but now that they could own any video and do anything they want with it if i post it on their platform according to their terms of use i don't want to be anywhere near that mm. you know and and so so Elon Musk with, with X's big end play is to create WeChat for America, which is a super app that you can hail cabs from. You can do your banking. You can like get groceries. Like, like an ecosystem you will never leave. X is, is what his plan is. Mm-hmm. So in China they have something called WeChat that they use, and it's a super app. Mm-hmm. Everybody, well, not everybody, but the majority of of of, of uh, Chinese people in China mm-hmm. use that for just about everything. Instead of going to four different apps, you do it all within that. Mm-hmm. That's what he's trying to create here. Now the question is, is anyone going to trust him with their bank information? I, I don't trust Elon Musk with my bank information. Mm-hmm. I don't trust Twitter for with anything. I mean, mm-hmm. he got rid of all the, the kind of safety and compliance people. It's a wild west filled with the most egregious hot takes, racism, mm-hmm. sexism. Uh, and, 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 and what I've found uh, the unfortunate side effect of social media is now everyone has not only do they have an opinion they have to force their opinion on you mm-hmm. and and then they don't like if they get any like blowback from that yeah i like reading the comments like someone does exactly a post, i'll go down and read the comments it's just people arguing just going back and forth it's just who does i like reading it but yeah. i will never get an argument with someone online People show up to people's houses and attack them or swat them over <laughs> oh, like, yeah. an They're Instagram swatting. or or it could be a Discord fight or something. Mm-hmm. You know, and swatting is when you call up uh, the SWAT team to, uh, or the mm-hmm. police to bring the SWAT team to a house that's mm-hmm. totally innocent, but houses the person you dislike. Mm-hmm. I mean, and people get killed mm-hmm. with that, and 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 and, and so th- there, there's there's so much anger mm-hmm. in the world, and and I think it got worse during covid because that's a pressure cooker Mm -hmm. and i think 
we're, we're still sort of in it. We haven't fully processed this as a country, like how awful that time mm-hmm. was. Yeah, for we all got of really us. divided. Got even more divided. Yeah. Plus, you know, they had, you know, there are a lot of people, and I hate to say it, and other people seem to share this opinion, uh, but I, I feel like if you go into politics, George W. Bush was so divisive, everyone hated him so much, you know, 9-11 time and all that, that America wanted the complete opposite to him. And so what was the complete opposite? Barack Obama. Now, to a lot of white racists, that was like the worst day in the country for them. To a lot of other people in America, it was a great sign of hope. I mean, wasn't that his whole thing, optimism, hope? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, some aspirational stuff, like stuff we could all get behind. Everyone should hope, right? I mean, these are good things. Uh, but I think, and my friend told me that we're a pendulum always swinging between the two different sides. So let's say the pendulum swung to liberal. Well, okay, we had some time with that. But, you know, he seems like he's a politician. What is the complete opposite of that? Well, the guy we saw on TV, Donald Trump, yeah. he's rich. He must know what he's doing, Right. And in the same way, like Ronald Reagan won because he was in those uh, Bedtime for Bonzo movies. People thought they knew him. This is where celebrity helps. Keep going. I got to check this. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, we, we swung to Trump, uh, which was the complete opposite of, like, this idea that, you know, optimism, hope, let's be good. We're all in it together. And, and it kind of swung to, I'm going to get mine. And because this country has such a a fascination with wealthy people, you know, personally, I mean, while while Trump did a lot of bad things, I think he would have been considered a much better president if COVID hadn't happened under his watch. Like, if you think about it, he did a lot of weird stuff and stuff that wasn't great, but he could have disappeared in the night and been considered a halfway okay president before COVID. Of course, again, if... The whole January 6th hadn't happened, too. But, you know, I mean, yeah. Who do you think is going to win? You think Trump's going to take it? Well, I hope not. Uh, well, this is how I feel. I, I just a big circus now. It's such a big circus. I think Joe Biden's doing nobody. The Democrats no favor by refusing to leave. Uh, I think. I read like 68 percent of Americans, something like that, believe that he had something to do with his son and all legal shady mm-hmm. stuff. I don't think that's a good confidence booster. I, I think we need to get some new blood in there, and we need to get out of this cycle of these the, this geritocracy we have where mm-hmm. everybody is too old that they're in such, they're, a, yeah. such a specialized area in life that it's really hard to think about the concerns of a 20 Who's that old guy home. that just stands there and shakes? Mitch O'Connell. Yeah, uh, Mitch McConnell. Yeah, he keeps having strokes Dude, on camera. Hey, every, all these, there's got to be a, a set term. You can't be... In, in your position for 30, 40 years, dude, like you, at some age or a term, we got terms for presidents. Why can't we do it for politicians? I think it should be a yearly term and I and it should all be based on how much you do this year. Yeah. And, you know, if if it's crazy. Yeah. If your whole thing is is being like Marjorie Taylor Green and talking about Jewish space lasers starting fires and, uh, <laughs> you know, all that. Well, you haven't done much for the country. You out. I mean, but. That would mean that this country actually lived up to the myth it has, which is we're a meritocracy. By that, we get the job because of how well we do the job and not our skin color, our sexuality, our our blah, 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 blah. It's how well we do the job. We're not filling up a slot that, you know, this many Jews, as many, you know, African-Americans, as many white people. 
whoever's the best in the room gets it. Now, that's the myth of this country, that you will be based not on skin color or these other things, but on your merit. Mm -hmm. But we are not a merit. We are not. Uh, the optics are too difficult because I think we haven't fully come to grips with the uh, racial reckoning that this country needs to go through to be mm -hmm. a true democracy, which is whoever had their power base, things shift. You mm -hmm. know, I mean, if you th I think a lot, a lot of the, the very, very white people, you know, they're like, we took this country from the Indians and this is ours. And we're sharing it with you. Instead of understanding, this is a, it, the way I understand it, this is a country of immigrants. No, very few people, you know, in the original days of this country, and no white people certainly were born here. This is all Native Americans. You know, we were immigrants. Yeah, I'm listening. Oh, yeah. So anyways, uh, <coughs> you know, th these are all things that I, I personally believe that where this country is heading, and it could go good or bad, and I'm hoping it doesn't go bad, but we will see who gets elected by what this country's direction is going to be. Mm -hmm. If people want four more years of, of uh, anger, retribution, jailing political opponents, uh, self-enriching, you know, which, which Trump did, uh, and... and, and we see what we get with a rule breaker. You you get criminals sometimes, and, and people liked him that he was mm -hmm. a rule breaker, but not the criminality. You know, mm -hmm. most people have a point they'll stop, not Trump. Mm -hmm. uh, if he wins this country, I think is is going to become more divided, is uh, going to become angrier, and is going to just it's going to be like a four year revenge tour where nothing's getting done in this country because it's all going to be about. The grave injustices that this egotist uh, and, and narcissist and, and psychopath uh, believes that, you know, now it's his turn for revenge. He's getting them all. I think we're going to lose a lot of ground. I, I you know, our, this country, you know, as a, a superpower, uh, although I think it's still considered one, you know, what do we offer the world? Well, I'll tell you, we offered entertainment. We were the best at that for a while. We were Hollywood, New York, movies, music. You know, we created hip-hop. We created, you know, we created rock and roll. We created mm -hmm. all these things. So it's really entertainment's our mass thing. Maybe, maybe fashion as well. Mm -hmm. um, but now every country has their own movies. We no longer are that major exporter of it. In fact, in China, it's much harder for us to get our movies in there. They're making their own. They're doing well in Russia. They're making their own. Mm -hmm. So we're no longer like an industry leader that way. Other people might say tech. We're, we're, maybe we're the innovators. But, you know, a lot of tech is being done in the other countries. What else are we offering? It seems like all we're offering is our viewpoint of democracy which is a very important, valid thing, but... Your phone, I can hear it. <laughs> Go ahead, my bad. Uh, no, no, that's Yeah, okay. I, was, I, was, I was listening right. to this and Yeah, it's... yeah, I, I hear you, I hear you. Uh, you know, usually when we were filming movies, we had to stop because a plane was going over. Right? Yeah. Uh, so, no, I can hear it. I'm yeah. post-production. I can hear the planes, helicopter. Yeah, it's, it's and brutal. people go, man, I go, fuck. All I can hear is the crickets one night. And yeah. I didn't hear anything. Yeah, it's I tough. can hear everything, especially these headphones. Yeah, these are great headphones. Mm -hmm. uh, but but anyways, my point is, so, like, I, I think 
and getting back as to who is going to win, I think America has to decide what kind of country it wants to be. Are we an angry one or a hopeful one? I could see both sides have their appeal. Personally, I'd rather be hopeful. And, and personally, you know, I, I've traveled out of the country. I've been to Europe. I don't like being kind of like looked at like I'm a disgusting person because I'm an American. You mm-hmm. know, it's just like that's the new thing. Just like, you know, because most of the countries laugh at us. Mm-hmm. They used to look up to us. They laugh. They're watching what's going on with our politics, and, and, and they think it's probably the greatest thing because America's always kind of been that person in the room to tell you how to live. It's like us making fun of Canadians. Totally. That's so the rest of the world makes fun of us. Absolutely. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like that. Or, or, or even, you know, like uh, after COVID, you know, there was a huge rise in, in, in uh, uh, crime against Asians who are Americans. It's still too. going on. It's still going on. Yeah. And in Fullerton, there's a huge Asian pop- population. Yeah. I remember uh, uh, a lot of Chinese, I believe. Koreans. And Koreans. Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of, nobody, we all kind of preach this philosophy that we want to judge people the way we want to be judged, which is by no, which is by our actions. Mm hmm. Right. I mean, that's kind of the myth of, of, of a democracy is, you know, I, I don't care if you have one arm or you're a different color or, or, or any of this stuff. I could tell you're a good person by what you did or that you helped someone up who just got beaten up. I mean, that's a good indicator versus people who just talk about what they would have done and didn't do it. You know, and, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, this country used to be one that would help people rise. But now we're so angry and divided. We want to beat people down and it all has to do with how scared we are mm-hmm. you know there's this idea and i think it's every culture ever in the world the need for an other whatever it would be an other minority group to hate mm-hmm. there's always something we have to hate so in, in every country they all have their minorities that they kind of despise mm-hmm. it's, it's a universal thing it's not just one skin color it could be a religious thing and the, the fact, I think we need to, to reckon with the fact that we as humans have needed to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I personally, I think it comes out of a place of, of fear, which leads to anger. Uh, and it's, I personally think it's because the world's so scary. Because, I mean, I, I've been reading, a, you know, the news a lot. And every headline is meant to, you know, make you want to spit out your coffee in fear. I mean, it's not good for the nervous system. Now, that's how papers sell what they have to do, and the media gets you to pay attention by making things sound a lot more dramatic, which makes it hard just to be informed. Maybe I don't want a framework on how to be informed to feel about this. Maybe just give me the information, but everybody, you know, and it's depending who you read or, you know, or, or what you watch. If you watch Fox, mm-hmm. it's all damn liberals, all about, mm-hmm. and you watch uh, MNBC or whatever, and it's all anti, you know. Mm-hmm. Because there's not a monoculture, it's much easier to swing into these groups, these little factions. And it's going to be the death of not just America, but us as a culture, because we are tearing down instead of building. You know, it's much easier to destroy something, to tear it down. Mm-hmm. You know, anarchists love burning shit down just to watch the fire. You know, just mm-hmm. it, it takes a different type of thinking to build something. You built something, the podcast, mm-hmm. right? I mean, amongst that's just the one thing I know yeah. of. I build stuff with film. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, if for me, 
you know, I keep my expectations low. Like with my, my short little videos, I call them micros because they're so short. I had to create a name for it. If I get a laugh, that's the highest compliment I can get. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's all I need. Mm -hmm. I, I don't need a stick in your head more. I just want an honest reaction. Boom, I'm out. And I make them so short, you don't have to dwell on it. That to me is adding something. It, it, it's like I'm not diminishing the world or making people more stressed or causing more pain. I'm creating a laugh. And that's mm -hmm. an, that, you know, other people want to save the world in different ways. And I, I'm honest with myself. I can't save the world. But if I can make someone feel a little bit better, you know, and get a laugh or, 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 or anything like that, make them feel something for 15 seconds, you know, it's even tougher in a 90-minute movie, two-hour movie, to keep mm -hmm. that sustained. Uh, it's easier to look good doing it short if, if you learn the trick. Mm -hmm. um, but it, that's enough to keep me going, you know, mm -hmm. to feel like I'm contributing in my own small way. Instead of, you know, what other people have been doing on the other side, like dox, excuse me, doxing, like the, the, uh, I forget who, uh, was it the New Yorkers or it was one of the other, one, the jury members for one of the Trump things, mm -hmm. uh, their names were released, which, which the state legally had to do and someone doxed him. So now they're being threatened, and by doxing, I mean they, they found their personal information, email, phone number, address, and the angry people are, are, are harassing them. And it's like these are people who just want to make other people feel as shitty as they do. Mm -hmm. And that is, and I've lived, I, I've lived a life filled with anger and, 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 and not knowing what to do with it. And I really believe doing something constructive and creative and adding is an important thing. You know, I read a comic book many years ago. I think it was Avengers, believe it or not. It was around, uh, this was the ultimate Avengers. Or no, it actually was a regular Avengers, but it was written by Michael, uh, Brian Michael Bendis. And, and you know, there is this thing, what's the distillation of a superhero? And he had one of the best ones, which is to make today better than yesterday. Make tomorrow even better. And I believe there was just some deep words of wisdom and a real kind of guide, you know, because... Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you're not constantly trying to do better, I think that's when you start dying. And I think that's where when you see both sides uh, and we look at their flaws, but we don't know. Maybe they think that they're doing better unless Absolutely. they're unless they're all evil, you know, villains that they're using what they have to uh, to confuse the public and, and also at the same time make money. Yeah, well, I think the major change from, like, Bond villains to, like, movies now, just on your point, it's like bad villains were always, we knew they were the villains. Like, mm -hmm. when Blofeld playing with his cat and mm -hmm. bald and, and, and what, what Dr. Evil was. But a major shift in movies, I guess, to make them more modern is that the bad guy thinks he's the good guy. And that is a major way in thing. It's not, I'm doing evil to hurt people. It's mm -hmm. like, no, this is the best course forward. Sociopath. Yeah, well, did you see Watchmen? Yeah. Okay, so you could see that point right there. Uh, I, his name was Osmondius, right? Uh, the guy who... The one of the guy had the mask and it was constantly changing. Not, he, Rorschach, he was my favorite character. Yeah. But no, this was when they were in, in the Arctic 
and and he oh yeah 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 he creates this doomsday scenario in the mm. comic book it was like a big alien squid that uh you know and so everyone thought it was aliens mm-hmm. I think in Watchmen if I remember the change it was some kind of explosion or mm. something but he thought he was doing the right thing to correct the course he thought an acceptable loss of a couple million versus the population was mm. the only way to do it mm. he wasn't twisting his mustache in, in comic books so when i read that like in 85 86 that was revolutionary this guy thinks he's being a real superhero by doing this he's not the joker who just wants to hurt people reminds me of like a bill gates okay how so he he's got his hand dipped in masanto okay masanto you've heard of masanto it's a uh, genetically uh, modified, like for example, our our fruits and vegetables they're made from genetically modified. Oh, that's what you're talking about, right, yeah, right, right. right. So, so he's got money in that. He's got money in that. Uh, also, he just released a bunch of uh, genetically engineered mosquitoes uh, into into population without being tested. Yeah, that's not and good. now there's there's a. Uh, news going around that people are, are getting bit by these mosquitoes and dying now if it's true or not i don't know because you you hear the the media the news they talk about bill gates and that's sure. kind of what it reminds me of not saying it's true you know what I mean but that's what a lot oh of absolutely well says. it's just like elon musk it, it, i've been reading about um you know uh, two things with him one you know his spacex is a big thing and they're putting mm-hmm. all these uh satellites in the air mm-hmm. But it's so unregulated, there's so many satellites that astronomers, the people who look at other planets, can't see as well because mm-hmm. of... of, of uh, Have you seen it? What? Starlink? Have you seen it in the sky? I haven't. Yeah. You could you could download an app. Yeah, it'll tell have. you when it. Yeah, I've seen it. It looks like a big old choo-choo train. Amazing. But it, I'll, it's I'll not. I'll check it out. But, but, you know, so these experts are complaining about that. But even more so, the recent news um, on this Elon Musk and his book, that's coming up. They got leaked that everyone's talking about. This is a big focal point. And so he has uh, donated Starlink. Uh, although I, I think I read the government's now paying him to do it to the Ukraine. Ukraine, yeah. <coughs> to aid the Ukraine against this war mm. or or what do they call it? special military or whatever they, yeah. you know, but uh, the Russians call it. Um, and he shut off the Internet connection they had on on uh, the ukrainians who were using it against the russians on an attack now he says he didn't want to start another pearl harbor but Mm. the idea is why does this guy have so much power to decide you know to to make a difference either way on this international conflict Mm -hmm. but certainly to do something like i'm going to offer you free to save you guys but I might turn it off. You know, yeah. you, you you don't do that. Well, you, remember Russia said in the beginning, if any other country intervenes in this, it's it's we're we're, we're going to go to war with you. Absolutely. Now look, the United States is constantly giving them money and tanks and <coughs> well, who knows I, what other stuff they're giving them. Right. I I think that's why uh, we don't have the Americans don't have boots on the ground. There is well, we do, but these guys are are specially paid specialists. Right. I know somebody like observers and like stuff like that no uh, guys that are like special forces uh, that are like paid, paid for hired yeah that are paid for hires and these guys make like 50 grand a month i know somebody that has a buddy over there Amazing. and he goes he's got like three houses and he just all the money he just goes and he pays off the houses <coughs> but these guys are the best of the best and they get paid to kill well that 
there's plausible dyna- uh, deniability on that, just like the Russians had the Wagner Group, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Which was filled Did with. Did you hear what happened to Wagner, that plane crash? Oh, yeah. That... Dude, that's crazy. Well, it amazes me the guy thought he was ever got on a plane again. <laughs> you know, here, I, I, don't, yeah. I, I won't pronounce the name, uh, but the head of Wagner decides to march into Russia mm-hmm. to make a point because he was really frustrated at how bad mm-hmm. he felt the, the Soviet army was and how it was hampering him. And he went and people were saluting him and applauding He should have just went all the he way with all the way. it. He stopped. Yeah. Now, what I read, the reason they stopped was he got a call that, that every person marching's family was in the crosshairs and were going to die. He may say he just wanted to make a point, but he didn't. He pulled out too quick. When mm-hmm. you pull out too quick, you're not going to make the baby. So mm-hmm. the point is he could have done something that would have changed it. He would have. He didn't. He stopped and then disappeared for a little bit, mm-hmm. although he was going to go to Belarus. But the fact that this guy did not think that <laughs> either he was going to get thrown out a window, you know, that that's their favorite form of, of death, it seems to be, defenestration, taking someone off a high floor and throwing them through a window. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's why the joke is that, you know, Russians don't want to live too high up. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, between that, the poison... You know, history shows how well Russia deals with people who speak against the motherland. Mm-hmm. And, and we've seen documentaries on the fact that this guy was so arrogant to think it wouldn't happen to him. It shows. A well, re- he's faked his death multiple times. I've heard. Interesting. Yeah, so so do you think he faked it this time? Who knows? I mean, didn't they find the body or no? I, I don't know. Yeah, they're not going to say they're not going to show. It, it may be, you look if, if, if I was born to conspiracies you know i might automatically go putin and him decided to do it just so you know he could be free and putin is going to let him live it but he could save face and all that but i think putin was pretty pissed off oh yeah you know let's let's not forget putin is on his last legs with all his cancer and all mm-hmm. this stuff he's not going to be around in five years i think it's a general idea or even two years he's got cancer yeah he's got bad cancer really what he, kind do you know I, 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 I don't think i've heard that yeah look it up i uh, he he the idea being he's not a healthy man mm. and that one of the reasons for this Russia incursion is this is his last shot to leave a legacy. Mm. Now, it's a gross legacy in my mind because mm. it, it's built on blood. Mm-hmm. But to his thinking, this might be his last hurrah, which is why he's doing this. What is interesting for me to see in, in any field is when someone takes their big shot and it fails. And so... What he did to take over, trying to take over Ukraine was a failure. So far, it has been. Uh, in, in a less bloody world, on the other side in tech, Elon Musk buying Twitter, X, total failure. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, and he's done it himself. He's mm-hmm. blaming other people, but with, you know, the whole thing about Twitter is it was all the advertising bucks. And, and because uh, <coughs> Elon Musk boasts but doesn't prove that he's a free speech absolutionist mm-hmm. and that everything must be free speech well with that, that's a slippery slope because you know there are a lot of angry people and and a lot of like walmart doesn't want to advertise right next to you know nazis it's mm-hmm. just not a good look for them they're a family store right i guess mm-hmm. uh, i haven't gone there in a million years and they all fled and now he's just hemorrhaging money and nobody wants to use it and the thing is which people tend to forget is these platforms are worthless 
if we do not give them our energy. Mm-hmm. Facebook will disappear if we decide to go off it. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, you know, that Bud Light cancellation, which seemed kind of silly to me. Um, yeah, especially they with, got own other beers. They make other beers. Yeah, Modelo's the number yeah. one. I mean, they make the same one. But, the, <laughs> you know, the fact that Chris Rock was, like, shooting up with his shotgun barrel, you know, cases of Bud Light. And then cut to six months later, he's at a ball game with a Bud Light. And it just shows how disingenuous it is Mm -hmm. and how homophobic uh, our country is, which is kind of a scary thing because I talked about Philadelphia. I thought we'd be a little further along. But um, uh, what was my point? Uh, Well. Let me say that that Twitter, the fail of Twitter, the fail of Twitter, but also Elon Musk, you know, he loves to be outrageous and have outrage mm-hmm. be the driving thing. He's going after the <coughs> the ADL now. I mean, do you remember the the <coughs> the Thai cave divers when they all mm-hmm. got stuck and he called one of the rescuers yeah. a pedo, you know, a, a pedophile I mean, without mm-hmm. even knowing anything about the guy? You can't when you have a large platform and, and power mm-hmm. what people don't understand this is what I kind of learned growing up with superheroes is you know it's a Spider-Man thing with great power comes great responsibility mm-hmm. you can't do everything you want you know you have to understand that your words have more uh, uh, power to them mm-hmm. than let's say Ian Fisher's words mm-hmm. right and so you have to be careful with them you can't just throw out crazy ideas and 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 and, and not think that a maniac's going to take some of those ideas and want to do something like here's a point uh, when when Trump doxed uh uh Obama's house in DC and then all of a sudden they found a guy like a block away with guns in his thing they had to arrest him but he was like you know he was going to go mm. over that you can't you can't go whoa hey I just I just reposted an address i i'm not responsible you can't Mm. do that you Mm. are responsible just Mm. like january 6 you know fomenting people for months and getting them angry you're an instigator the instigators get in trouble you know Mm. if he hadn't have done that more than likely uh january 6 never would have happened i mean it's still it scares me that we are a country where your president goes totally against the rules to try to stay in power. Mm-hmm. It's unheard of if, in this country, in, 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 in other countries. And he's not in jail. And he's not in jail. But and, everyone else is. And they are. And he's crying about how it's a two-tiered system. Between, and, and to him, it's Republicans and liberals. But really what it is is rich white dudes versus everyone else because mm-hmm. everyone else has been in prison. He's still free to walk around. This guy... Is it 70 or 90 indictments? I mean, <laughs> you know, one indictment should be bad enough. Mm-hmm. The simple fact this country, this is what terrifies me that, you know, and I learned this through this, uh, through reading that, like, if you're an ex-con, supposedly you can't vote. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I guess in paying your debt to society, that's what you lose a fundamental right, something like that. Mm-hmm. But if you're a con or even jailed, you can be president. You know, there is a very strong, if he wins, he could be serving not the White House, but out of prison. What is it? Can you hold hold your head up high as an American? Yeah, we have we we have criminals, you know, making national decisions. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like mm-hmm. that kind of reflects on all of us. Like we're all criminals, mm-hmm. uh, even though it shouldn't. But it just it's a bad look. Mm-hmm. 
Biden, I'm just going back to what you're talking about. He's a bad look too. Kamala, even worse look. Nobody wants her. <laughs> you know, uh, it, it'll be interesting, you know, seeing like the other Republican candidates, mm-hmm. you know, what they're saying. DeSan- DeSantos. Did DeSantis, he just fight a. Didn't he just do a, a law in Florida to ban immigrants from working or? Uh, probably. I mean, he has all like don't that. say gay. He picked on Disney. Uh, he, a lot of what he has been doing, I guess, is also deemed unconstitutional, which is very interesting. But he's a guy who does it first and, and wants to apologize. Or he, he just won't apologize. Mm. But he doesn't ask. And so they keep pushing, pushing, pushing. Uh Without knowing much about the lady and just what I've read, it seems people, uh, especially Republican viewers who are not MAGA, seem kind of enchanted with Nikki Haley, whatever that means. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there's nobody. There are no good alternatives. Unfortunately, the next uh, what we have a voting year next year, next five years are going to be a roller coaster, which if you allow politics and country direction to affect your equilibrium. I'm not looking forward to it. Uh, I personally, I just want this country to be better. I want, mm. I would love a return to human decency. I mean, you know, we, we, we're so enchanted now with social media telling people what our mind is without asking permission, without being decent. Now, some people are decent, but decency doesn't get, you know, the press the way the nastiness does. So it, it's kind of buried. But if we were just slightly more decent not so hatred i i think we could all be proud to do what we do and i think our movies because it's all going back to movies would have a little more resonance you know it's like it's one thing to make a superhero story which is the most basic good versus evil and to constantly talk about good winning but it 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 gets less authority if you're known for doing lots of sketchy shit mm. which this country is and and, and so you know, I mean, geez, man. I mean, why can't we go back to, like, I'll tell you who a decent human being was, in retrospect, is Jimmy Carter. This guy in his 90s is still, like, helping farms and, 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 and planting trees with his wife. And he is a decent human being who wants to do good. He's not, you know, having uh, illicit sex with porn stars. Uh, he's not trying to rape women at uh, Bergdorf Goodman's. Uh, he's, you know, this guy's generally trying to do something decent. Why can't we get that for president? Because I personally, I believe that's who we, as people who are Americans, or even just live in America, so let's say we, we, they don't have a green, that's the least this country deserves. Yeah, man. We, we got to move forward and we got to it, it starts with home with the parents you know it, it starts with uh people like me and you that are going to come yeah. on the show and and be uh you know we we want to do good like you you're doing yeah. your films you you want somebody to smile and you don't want people to be arguing and getting getting yeah. out of control man but i want to thank you for coming on the show hey, thank dude. You for me. it was it was it's real honor fun. to have you on i mean we could have talked for like eight hours dude. it was good yeah but i can't wait to get you on again you got anything Thanks. coming up uh, well, just check out the daily video art that I've been doing. Uh, it, it's been getting uh, some. Uh, it's been getting in the shows. It, what I am doing now, I find, is 
expanding my my presence out there and making more of, of, of an impact than any of my movies ever did. Nice. And that is why I have conversations with fellow filmmakers, and it's like independent films dead. I mean, it's just, and 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 you know, at my age, you know, even though I've been directing for you know uh, close to thirty years, no one's going to hand me you know a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. So. And a lot of filmmakers, they hold on to that. Mm-hmm. Like, I am going to suffer and take, like, a real awful minimum wage job just to be able to keep doing this. And it's a system. It's just it, do something different. If, if you're not going to make, like, for me, I'm not making feature films. I'm making 15-second films that, that because I'm creating kind of my own art form, nobody could tell me I suck or I'm doing it wrong. Because I'm the one making the rules. Mm. That is, you know, I, I think maybe some people feel that way if they're creating a new genre of music, right? Mm-hmm. They're like, you can't compare me to Michael Jackson because I'm doing something totally different. I think if more people start thinking outside of the box in, in, in what the pathways are, like for filmmakers, I want to make Hollywood movies. That's like the number one thing. I think if we start figuring out how we can add our own uniqueness to that, I think our culture i mean human culture but i think it will grow there is the arts become a dirty word and and, and it should mm-hmm. you know art art is the ultimate it, it's the ultimate thing that separates us from the animals i mean there are other things religion and all that but still and there's an artistry to religion mm-hmm. it, it culture is what i believe makes us human i believe common talking points you know, you could be a total stranger, but if you both loved fucking Michael Keaton and Batman, you guys will become friends talking about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so check me out on Instagram, TikTok. Mm-hmm. Again, it's Ian Fisher or Fishstick, F-I-S-C-H-T-I-C on uh, Instagram. Once again, Ian Fisher, I want to thank you for coming on thank the show. Thank you for having me. This is a real pleasure. I want to thank all my audience. Uh, the, yeah, thanks for listening. Yeah, thank you for tuning in to the Radio and State podcast. I love you guys. Uh, Have a great week. I'll see you guys uh, next week. All right? I'm out. Peace. Peace.